This is my mommy. This is my mommy. Welcome to the chef. Welcome to Nani and Mom. I'm Nani. And I'm Mom. If you're loving this podcast, we would be so honored if you subscribe, rate, and review. This helps others to find our podcast and helps us to continue to provide the content that you love. You can always find us on Instagram. We're at Nani and Mom Podcast. That's N-O-N-N-I-E and Mom Podcast to stay up to date with our new episodes. We would also love if you send us a voice message through the show notes or shoot us an email to Nani and Mom Podcast at gmail.com for episode ideas or specific questions. So, Mom, what are we talking about today? Well, today, can we please talk about sibling rivalry? (laughs) (laughs) Something going on at your house? Oh, a lot of somethings, it feels like. I'm I'm surprised, actually, that we haven't covered this as of yet on the podcast. Maybe this is heightened in my mind since I'm now staying home with the kids full-time. I'm witnessing their interactions a lot more. And mm. I'm starting to feel more confident in how to interact with them individually and how to help them interact with other people. But I still stand and stare with my mouth open when they start fighting with each other, whether it's over Mm -hmm. a toy or what the plan is. Mostly, I would say most of the time it's about a toy, but I'm assuming that this is something that happens with all siblings and that it is going to last a long time. Correct. I imagine You are absolutely correct. (laughs) You have three siblings. Did you fight with your siblings? Mm -hmm. This is such a unique question, I feel like, because I have three brothers. And so I felt like we were all so different. You know, I had one that was very close in age, but I, I never felt like we were competing because we were so totally different. And then... The two younger are five and seven years younger than me. So I don't really, I don't feel like there was rivalry. That's my side. Of course, it'd be an interesting question to ask the others. But it feels like a unique question. And I haven't had a chance really to think about it because I don't know why I've never thought about it in relation to my two kids. And if that occurred in my life when I was a child, that's an interesting question that you pose right there. (laughs) (laughs) I stumped you. (laughs) Well, and I think Mm -hmm. there is some validity to the same sex siblings. I do think Mm -hmm. there probably is more arguing among same same sex siblings. And I also think that age difference also plays a role too. Uh, you Mm -hmm. You and your older brother were so close in age that it was almost like twins. And, mm-hmm. and being opposite sex, you guys did not fight a lot. But you did, you know, a little bit, but it wasn't, you know, there, usually you were partners in crime. <laughs> and not so much. And I'm sure ours will get that way, too. Because, you know, what I'm going through right now, I probably don't remember much of that time. So I'm sure that we did do some of the toy fighting and that kind of stuff. But Absolutely. once we got older, I so feel I like remember, it, it definitely diminished. 
Yeah. Well, you and you guys were, you know, 12 months, three weeks apart. And I remember, um, you know, your brother, when you were little, an infant and laying on the floor, he would pick at you and pick at you and pick at you and you were a helpless little infant. But there came a day where uh, your brother came to me and he his face was kind of scratched up. And I said, what happened? And he uh, Nikki, Nikki, uh, <laughs> scratched up my face. Scratched. And the- I think it <laughs> I think it was the pent up, you know, months of not being able to do anything about it. And once you were mobile, you you handled it. Mm-hmm. So <laughs> and did he learn uh, his so- natural consequence to leave me alone? <laughs> I think there was some uh, awakening that day (laughs) Mm -hmm. (laughs) that you were no longer going to lay there and take it (laughs) Mm -hmm. because you couldn't or you didn't have to. Yeah. So what kind of things are you seeing with your guys? What kind of? um... So, yeah, I've got an interesting story from just this morning, like literally three hours ago. So it's fresh on my mind. And Okay, so we decided we were going to take a walk this morning. And normally when we take a walk, I don't have a double stroller. So one of them has to be in the stroller and the other one walks using their feet. And normally the little one rides in the stroller and the older one walks. That's pretty much how it always goes. There's not usually a whole lot of like, arguments about who's riding in the stroller and who's walking. That's just how it ends up. But this morning, we suggested going on the walk. The stroller was brought up. And then the older one is like, I'm going to ride in the stroller. And he goes and he like gets in it and waits in the garage while we're still getting our shoes on and stuff. (laughs) And, you know, obviously, like maybe I'm over maybe I'm over analyzing the situation. But in my head, I'm like, this four year old knows that the little one always rides in the stroller. And so he's doing this to like get his way or something. And so then, you know, I, then it literally turned into everybody crying because they tried, we tried to like fit them both in the stroller, but they are absolutely too big at this point for them to sit together (laughs) in the one stroller. And it, you know, that didn't work. And so then I often, because I don't know what to do in these situations, I will often put it back on them to figure it out together. So I'll say, if y'all can't figure out how we're going to take a walk, we're not taking a walk. And then of course you're left with a a two and a half year old and a four year old who don't have the best reasoning skills yet. And they both just want their way and they just both start crying. So then it led to us, everybody going into their own rooms for a few minutes to cool off. (laughs) And, you know, in those moments, I just don't know if I don't know if I'm doing the right thing because in my head, what could, what ended up happening is after a few minutes of cooling off, the older one finally said, you know, I decided I'll use my feet and I don't want to ride in the stroller. So we were able to take our walk the normal way that we always do. But I I feel like maybe I could have bypassed a lot of the <laughs> screaming if if the first thing that I said when the older one was in the stroller was to be like, oh, nope, you don't ride in the stroller. You use your feet. Your little brother gets to be pushed in the stroller. 
But I don't know if that's the right response either, because I don't want the older one to feel like his wishes are not important. And I also don't want the little one to always be treated like a baby. He can walk. He's not a baby anymore. We just use the stroller because we're just going up the road and back. And that's just how we've always done it. So in my head, I'm like, okay, I'm going to try to use this as an opportunity for them to learn how to communicate with each other. And then it, it seemed to fall apart. So that's an example of, I feel like kind of sibling rivalry. And and then of course there's every other instance of one of them's playing with a toy. The other one snatches it. And we saw that gut as a parent. I think that's what I was about to say. You witnessed that. And in my head, you know, our gut instinct is to say he was playing with that. Give it back. And while that may be useful in some cases, I just have this feeling of like, what is that teaching the kids? You know, it's not teaching them any conflict resolution. And it's kind of teaching them that someone else is always going to be there to solve their problems. You know, the, the toy gets snatched and then they turn around and say, Mom, he took my toy. And unless mm-hmm. you had your eyes on both of them and you saw what happened, then if you give back the toy to the first one, you don't know if that's truly what was happening. So I, mostly because I don't know what to do, I just turn the situation back around on them and say, y'all got to figure this out, which doesn't seem to always work out. So I'm curious what all you have to say on the topic. Well, you're correct, actually. One of the, one of the things, two of the things actually, is ex- ignore the small stuff. You know, allow them to work that out. But then also, you know, giving them the opportunity to work it out, you know, without your intervention. And like you did yesterday, you just observed and you didn't say anything until there was physical interactions, (laughs) you know, when it was just Uh words. And then you encouraged the use of their words. And, you know, let's face it, at the younger one's developmental age, you know, we're not developmentally able to actually negotiate stuff. As they get older, that will Mm -hmm. get better. But what you did, and what you're doing is exactly right. You know, what you did today with the stroller was great. You could have, there are other options, you could have said, we're, if we can't figure out the stroller thing, the stroller can stay home. And we'll all, all that was part of the equation. (laughs) Okay. That was part yeah. of one of the options that they both turned. Of course, they both turned it down until, you know, it's probably like you said, a an indicator of the reasoning capabilities where then the older one kind of thinks through it and says, hmm, well, I still want to go on the walk. Let's see if we can figure this out. <laughs> mm-hmm. And right, it's it is a function of his developmental, you know, stage. Mm-hmm. So you're doing it right. And you know, trying different things at different times, you're going to figure out what works for them. And what, you know, like we've talked about in previous podcasts, what what works for a while might not work continuously. You have to adjust your, Mm -hmm. your interactions, because in your communication, because developmentally, they're advancing. And so you can, you know, you will advance the communication with. Yes. Yeah. I am looking at a copy of a book that you gave me, which I have not read, and I'm wondering if I should. (laughs) It's called (laughs) Siblings Without Rivalry by 
Adele Faber and Elaine Maslish. It looks mm-hmm. old, older. And so I'm curious <laughs> if you're familiar with this book and if you feel like it has aged well, because I'm not saying that there aren't tried and true ways to kind of guide you through your your kids and their rivalries, but there's obviously been a lot has happened since this book. I can tell just by looking at it. <laughs> so I'm curious, well, you know, it, you're probably up up a little bit more on the, the science and the data, maybe on what's out there now. And if, if the thought process behind something like this has changed, or if we're, st- if not a lot of it has changed, and this is still a great resource to dig into. Well, I haven't read that book in 30 years, probably, because <laughs> <clears throat> I'm pretty sure that I had that book when you guys were, I don't know, three, four years old is when I looked at that book. Mm-hmm. So I can't really recall <laughs> all the details of it, you know, but but some of the things that we need to do, you know, which you do really well is listening to your kids and allowing them to, you know, teaching cooperation versus competition. So, you know, listening to both sides. And I, I think I did that. I probably wasn't great at it in the beginning. But over time, I really tried to say, okay, what do you think happened? And then what do you think happened? And then what was happening right before this blew up? you know, and what Mm -hmm. was your perception of that? And what is your perception of that? Because getting all of the sides of the story. And sometimes you can't get that until everybody calms down, right? Because now everybody's Mm -hmm. mad and emotional. And when we're emotional, it's really hard to think straight and talk. So sometimes a timeout for everybody like what you did yesterday or this morning, you know, let's all calm down, we'll come back and revisit. And, you know, so teaching teaching that, like we said earlier, you know, ignoring the small things, you know, trying to let them figure it out. Because these are skills that we need to have in the future, right? And so Mm -hmm. we're going to have conflicts in our adult lives. And if they can learn that in the safety of your own home with their siblings, then they're going to be able to navigate that world better, And those of us who are only children, like myself, it was tough getting out there in the world and not having my way because I did what I wanted when I wanted. Mm -hmm. And people usually (laughs) did what I wanted when I wanted for the most part. (laughs) And my imaginary friends were always very cooperative. (laughs) Mm -hmm. So it was hard to learn how to navigate the adult world. You know, when I didn't have, I hadn't learned a lot of those skills. One of the other things is, is teaching them that we're all in this together attitude. So having that family time, which you guys all do really well with, you know, teaching them that, you know, we're, we're going to help each other. And we're in it with each other. And, you know, that's one thing I have seen with you and your siblings, even, even though there's you know, sometimes hasn't been, you know, maybe not really liked that person, you know, at the time, but when the going got tough, really being there for each other. And I I saw that in college when you were down there with your brothers, and they were there for Mm -hmm. each other, and you were there for them, you know, so 
maybe not liking everything about each other, but really showing up for each other. And that's part of that, you know, being being a part of the family and we're all in this together. Yeah. The other thing is, is, you know, fighting is normal. People fight. Families fight. Mm -hmm. People disagree. So, you know, it's okay. This is all okay. So not freaking out that there's something wrong in your family if your kids are fighting with each other. Because Mm -hmm. like your sister-in-law was talking about yesterday, which I loved, she was talking about how her and her siblings would fight, but they got along great with other people, (laughs) with friends. And (laughs) yeah. And, you know, I thought that was a really good point, you know, that, Mm -hmm. yeah, in our houses, we practice these things. And we figure out, you know, we try these things on when we're in our family. Yeah. And I wonder, you know, this is just a thought that came to me. I'm thinking down the road. I'm sure that all parents want their children to be friends with each other. But everyone is their own unique individual person. You may not end up wanting to be friends with your sibling, or you may not be as close with your siblings as you are with some of your other best friends. And that's probably okay, too. As hard as it might be for a parent to want to intervene, that's probably not something that we have control over. We can foster that relationship, but you can't necessarily force anything. Right. And actually, on the bottom of my notes, I wrote, they don't have to be friends, but they do need to be respectful of each other. (laughs) And so that's true. That's true. And and yes, like mm-hmm. your four siblings, all four of you guys are super different. You have different interests, you have different goals, you have different lives, you're all very different. Mm-hmm. And I encouraged that early on, I wanted you each to be your own individual unique self and not be like some melded, mm-hmm. you know, we all are the same kind of clone like people. I wanted you to yeah. all follow your own stuff. And I hope... I communicated that you didn't have to be best friends, you know, but we do have to respect each other and, you know, try and get along, you know, but I try not to force people. I I remember, you know, because there's a five and seven year difference between me and the younger ones. And I feel like I, I used to quote unquote pick on them until they became black belts. And then I was like, nope, I'm done with that. <laughs> you know, so um, they're, 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 that was my threshold. You know, as they aged and got older, I was like, yeah, I'm not going to mess with that anymore. I'll, I'll, I'll just, I'll just leave that alone. <laughs> yes. But it's and they got their black belts um, because we, they were beating up on each other all the time. And I thought, I, yes, I took them to get the, I said, you guys are going to do this because you need to learn to respect each other. And and that's a great um, point to bring up too, is to make sure that the kids are having outlets for how to learn how to interact with each other and other people, how mm-hmm. to control some of their emotions. But then also, like you said, not only letting kids pursue their own interests so that everybody is unique. But one thing that our family therapist told us as we started the transition for me to be home with them full time is a strong reminder to have one-on-one time with each of your children separately. And that, and, and that's a very, it's a hard one to do just to find that time, but we do try to make it happen. Having one-on-one time with each child alone 
takes away some of the, I think, the tension between the two kids to fight for the adult's attention. So if each kid feels like their special bucket is filled up, you know, their special mommy time or Mm -hmm. special daddy time bucket is filled up, then they will have less of a reason to fight with their sibling about spending time. It still happens because, you know, when we're trying to all play together, building a city or something, we do that sometimes where we just take blocks and we build a city. It's a little bit out of the, the younger one's developmental stage you know he just wants to knock blocks over and push them around in a dump truck and so there's definitely tension when we're when we're doing activities all together mm-hmm. that maybe aren't fully age appropriate for the youngest one and so it's making sure that you do group group activities all together at each of their age levels but then also spending time alone with each of them doing something age appropriate and something that's super special. So that way, when you are all playing together, they don't feel so obligated to, to be competing with their sibling over attention from their parents. And I thought that was really sage advice. That is sage advice. It actually is on my list. I hadn't said it yet, but that is really important to foster that and figure out how to get that. And You know, even if it's just you take one to the grocery store with you and leave the other one at home with your spouse, you know, figuring out how to how to do that. And then one of the the other things to think about is fairness versus equality. Okay. So recognizing the different stages of development. So just because the four-year-old can do XYZ doesn't mean the two-year-old gets to do XYZ because that's not necessarily a place that the two-year-old can do or have, right? So mm-hmm. I didn't actually, the article or the research that I did called it fairness versus equality. I can't remember what I called it. All of a sudden, my brain just went (laughs) dead. But treating each kid as their unique self. So when, you know, a kid would, one of y'all would come to me and say, well, it's not fair. So-and-so is getting to do that. I would say, well, they're 12 years old. They've earned that right to do that. You don't get to do that until you're closer to that age. Yeah, and and I'm actually smiling really Big because I thought of this earlier in our conversation and didn't bring it up. I'm sure this gets more difficult the closer in age the kids are because I remember just vaguely feeling like, you know, okay, there's only 13 months between Stephen and I. And so it's like, mm-hmm. okay, he got a cell phone. I'm like, oh, time for me to get a cell phone. And it feels <laughs> like you should get that because you're older sibling got one. And that's a very hard concept, I think, for even teenage children to grasp, because think about even just starting to drive, you know, it feels like Mm -hmm. it's so close. Because like you said, sometimes it's very much like having twins once you get to that age, you know, or really Mm -hmm. overall. And so I feel like that will definitely be and is even an issue sometimes for us already with with certain examples on what toys are age appropriate and the little one kind of getting upset and probably feeling like he's just left out because the older mm-hmm. one gets everything first. And I'm so, so I'm sure that's a hard thing to navigate. Cause I remember as a kid 
feeling that a lot, being like, it's not fair that he gets to stay out until midnight. And I did. Right. And you're like, when you're 16, that will be, I don't remember the exact rules. I'm just spitballing. But you know what I mean? You know, like that. And as a parent, I'm sure it's really hard to keep your foot down about that because you have a younger kid who's pestering you for all of the same things that you've granted permission to for the older kid. (laughs) Correct. And, you know, this is where, you know, family meetings and communication and decision making can all come into play. I don't know if at this age, family meetings are totally appropriate. And if you do have them, they're very short, you know, Mm -hmm. to to start fostering that. But, you know, to help to have to foster those relationships, to foster that communication, to foster their ability to speak about what they want, you know, and, and to share, Mm -hmm. hey, you know, I I don't think it's fair that so and so gets to stay out till midnight, but I don't. And why is that? And you guys can talk about that and say, well, hey, so and so, how old were you when you got to start staying out at midnight? And, you know, for them to Mm -hmm. help you along, you know, with that. So recognizing that, you know, and in each kid is different and unique. You know, just to remember that every kid is different and developmentally, they're different. So you might have a four-year-old and a six-year-old and a four-year-old is moving through things quicker than the six-year-old say. And that's going to be something that, you know, you kind of have to tread softly on too. But to recognize that Mm -hmm. a four-year-old can be ready for something that your six-year-old might not be. And then you communicate about that. And the six-year-old, if they're not ready, they're not ready. And, you know, so so remembering that you were parenting each unique child, that age is not the threshold for whatever it is, the mm-hmm. privilege. It's the developmental stage. So okay. we kind of... We've that kind of gone a, a little longer than we wanted to, but does that, does some of that help you yeah, but with your... It's all, yes, it does. I think that it will still be difficult in the moment because it feels it like, you know, you want to get it right. You want you want to feel like your interactions with your kid are helping foster these good relationships, but like everything else we talk about, it's a practice. (laughs) So Mm -hmm. I hope that this has helped to shed some light for those of you guys that have multiple children. If you've got some great stories for us, we'd love to hear them. So shoot us a voice message or send us an email so we can read them and discuss them. I'm always looking for advice and a way to commiserate sometimes when the goings get tough. (laughs) Correct. As always, we honor your time. So we hope to see you guys back in a future episode. See you soon.